The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Amen. You would take your Bibles out and turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look over the next few weeks in Philippians. And uh, Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be down in verse 12. And you may want to take uh, your marker or something and go over to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be over there for a few minutes uh, in just a moment. But uh, this morning I want to talk about, as we kind of get into the book of Philippians, uh, Paul and some of the things about Paul's life and uh, talk about encouraging things today. And Paul's in jail when he wrote this letter, yet in jail he's full of joy. Now he's uh, a jail like we have today. If you watch uh, some shows about jail, a lot of those are just not, not a whole lot different than a country club, they look like, and uh, that wasn't the case in Paul's day. I've mentioned before, uh, sometimes in, in jail during that time, the jails were made underneath the streets, and there would be a, uh, a grate over the street, and uh, rain or uh, animal feces or whatever passed over that grate would be falling down into this cell, and uh, that, that's the picture of a, of a jail cell during those days, in a lot of cases, not in every case. So uh, Paul is in jail, but he's full of joy. And just like Paul, at times we all have bad days. We all have bad times, and we all have days of discouragement. I found a little thing that said, you know it's a bad day when you turn on the morning news and they're, they're displaying emergency routes out of your city, when the sun comes up in the west or your boss tells you don't bother taking your coat off today, when you jump out of bed in the morning and miss the floor, you know it's a bad day when the bird singing outside your window is a buzzard. When you wake up in the morning and your dentures are locked together, it's a bad day when your horn accidentally gets stuck and you're following a group of hell's angels on the freeway. You know it's a bad day when you put both contact lenses in the same eye. Or when you uh, walk to work on a summer morning and find the bottom of your dress is stuck in your pantyhose. Uh, you know it's a bad day when your answering service uh, tells you it's none of your business, when your income, check text, income tax check bounces, or when you step on the scale and it reads tilt. Uh, you know it's a bad day when the suicide prevention puts you on hold. So if you've experienced some of those, you know it's a bad day. And and here's the thing about a bad day. Discouragement is a tremendous evil. Now, I want you to think about that. Discouragement, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous evil that we have to deal with. I'm going to finish this story in just a moment, but many years ago, a Midwestern lawyer, he suffered from deep depression. This is a true story. So much so that his friends thought it was best to keep all the knives and razors out of reach and he, questions his, he questioned his own life, calling his life's calling, the prudence of everything, even uh, uh, attempting to follow through with things that he thought he wanted to do. And during this time, he wrote these words, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. That was, a, that was a man you've all heard of, and we'll talk more about him. This morning, as we think about encouraging things, Paul offers us three things that encourage us as a church, and that's what I want us to look at. 
uh, we can be encouraged by the providence of God. And this is what we're going to look at in, Pro- in Philippians chapter 1. We can be encouraged by the promise of the gospel and we can be encouraged by the provisions of the Holy Spirit. And, and in those three things, the first is this, the providence of God. If you're in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12... Uh, I'm going to read a little bit different translation than maybe you have, but, but I want you to hear what it says. It's all the same. It's just worded a little different. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12, Paul says this, I want you to know, my friends, that the things that have happened to me have really helped in the progress of the gospel. Now, just to spend a, a moment, think about all that Paul has gone through. If, you, if you've studied Paul or if you've heard about Paul, I've already mentioned he's in jail. I'm going to mention a little more about Paul in just a moment. But So when he says, all the things that have happened to me, they've helped with the, the progress of the gospel. And we'll, we'll talk more about those. As a result, this is back in the scripture, the whole palace guard and all the others here know that I'm in prison because I'm a servant of Christ. And my being in prison has given most of the believers more confidence in the Lord so that they grow bolder all the time to preach the message fearlessly. Now, you may want to read through that a couple of times because it took me a few times to really see what Paul was saying. He, he's just saying, hey, I'm in prison, but, but actually me being in prison has helped. It's helped, uh, it's helped me spread the gospel he says all the palace and all the guards, they know that I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. What was he doing? He was making the most of every opportunity. He, he goes on and says, even my being in prison, he's given uh, believers even more confidence in the Lord. So, so these things, uh, we wouldn't think about those being the providence of God. But if we look at the providence of God, you know, God is proactive and we're usually reactive, aren't we? So if we think about God being proactive, just think about Daniel. You know, Daniel's taken, he's taken captive, he's placed in the king's, uh, the king's guard, and, and he becomes one of the king's men. And through the life of Daniel, you see the things that happen. You can think about Joseph, he's sold as a slave, and he spends his life in different areas in prison and falsely accused. And, and in the end, he's the savior of Israel. We think about Ruth, we've been talking about it on Wednesday nights. We think about Moses and Moses fleeing to the desert and, and because he kills a man and, and how the end of his life turns out. And even just thinking about Paul, we see through all of those different areas and all those different things that have happened, it's the providence of God, that, that God has a plan and God is always moving in his plan. And for us, that should be encouraging to know that God's not left us, he's not forsaken us, he's not forgotten us, but, but he's in control. And, and under that providence of God, we need to understand God's in control of our circumstances. In Romans eight twenty eight, it says this, We know that all things work together for the good to those who love the Lord, who love God, and are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to point out that doesn't say all things are good, but it says all things can work to the good. All things can, can end up being good. Joseph, if you remember that story, and some of you will, some of you won't, but, but Joseph told his brothers when they came and recognized who he was, he said, as for you, you meant harm to me, but as for God, God used it. 
That, that's a great example of that scripture that Paul's writing in Romans. Hey, things can work for good and, and the providence of God and because of the providence of God, God's in control of our circumstances. I read this story about heavyweight boxer James Quickie Tillis. Some of y'all may remember him. He was a cowboy from Oklahoma. He, was a, he fought in Chicago in the early 80s and uh, he said, I still remember my first day in the Windy City after I arrived from Tulsa. I got off the, bu- off the bus with two cardboard suitcases under both arms. I went to downtown Chicago. I stopped in front of the Sears Tower. I put my suitcases down. I turned around. I looked up at the Sears Tower, and I said, I'm going to conquer Chicago. And I looked down, and both of my suitcases were stolen. <laughs> you know, just think for a minute. God is in control of our circumstances. Even when we think we've got the right picture and, and even when we think that, that we're going in the right direction, God is in control of, of our circumstances because of the providence of God. Now, what did that story have to do with us? Well, think about Paul. Paul said from the time God called him, I'm going to Rome and I'm going to preach the gospel in Rome. And Paul begins to go towards Rome. He's thrown in prison. He goes to trial after trial after trial. He's falsely accused. He's shipwrecked two different times. All of those times, Paul's desire was to get to Rome. But it seemed like every time he headed to Rome, something happened. But every time something happened... The providence of God and God being in control of those circumstances, Paul was used in a mighty way. He was shipwrecked on this island. They had never heard of Jesus Christ. While he was on that island, he proclaimed the gospel to those people there about Jesus Christ. The interesting thing is that's the Isle of Malta. Today, the Isle of Malta, the census says they're 100% Christian. Can you believe that? I mean, that's what the census says. That was the isle where Paul was shipwrecked thousands of years ago. So we see in the midst of the circumstances, was the shipwreck great? No. Was all the prisons great? No. But see, the providence of God and God in control, he was able to use all of those different steps in Paul's life that Paul might be encouraged. God is a great encourager. Over in Acts chapter 4, and, and we're not going to read all of Acts chapter 4, but, but Peter and John, Jesus Christ has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's gone to heaven. And, and, Paul, uh, and uh, Peter and John are preaching about what Christ has done. And if you go to chapter 3 in Acts, they had, they had healed this guy. So after they healed this guy, these people start following him, and, and uh, there's thousands. The Bible says 5,000 men. That's not counting women and children. They begin to follow, they begin to follow Christ, and they begin to hear the gospel. And, and because of this, the, the Sanhedrin and the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious rulers of that day, they say, hey, we've got to stop this guy. I mean, he's proclaiming the gospel. He has all of these followers. So, so they call him in. They say, uh, what's going on? In what power? By what authority do you do these things? And they say, well, if you're talking about the, the guy that was healed, he's healed because of Jesus Christ, that same Christ that y'all denied that you put on the cross. Now think about this. This is Peter. This is Peter that denied Christ three times, that even cursed and said, I don't know who the man is. Now he's boldly standing and saying, this Christ whom, whom you rejected, we, we do these things in the name of Christ. And they said, well, you, you better stop it. You better quit. And they put him in prison. 
And they all met and said, what are we going to do with these guys? And one of them said, hey, we can't, we can't do much because look at the crowd they've got following them. And they said, okay, well, let's talk to them again. So they, they, they called them out again and said, you better stop. You better stop talking about them. And, and it says in the scripture here, they threatened them with other threats. And they got on to them. They, they may have said, if, if you don't want to get, if you don't want to go to cross too, you better quit. And, and they said, hey, it's better for us to follow God or follow you. And then we get in verse 23, and that's where I want to start reading this morning. Acts chapter 4, drop down to verse 23. Because it just jumps into this, and being let go are on their release. So, so that's where they've been. The, 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 the religious leaders of, of that time, they, they call them up, they threaten them, they throw them in jail, they, they have a meeting, they realize, hey, we can't do anything, they've not really done anything wrong. They get them out and say, you better stop or we're going to get on to you again. And, and they say, hey, it's either serve you or serve God. Who do you think we're going to serve? We're going to serve God. And on being released... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them, verse 24. And when they heard this, this is the people they went back and reported it to, the other Christians. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You spoke by the power of the Holy Spirit through your mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and all these people plot in vain? The kings of earth take their stand and the rulers together against the Lord and against the anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you had anointed. This is verse 28. They did, they did what your power and what your will decided beforehand should happen. See the providence of God even in that statement. Verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. I want us just to think about that just a moment. If the, if the uh, civil authorities came to you today and said, If you speak the name of Jesus again, we're going to put you to death. Well, that's a serious, that's a serious threat. So we can't just say as... as as Peter and John said, hey, we're going we're gonna to speak for the Lord. Whether we're going to work for man and work for God, what would you do? Well, there's some serious threats. So in their prayer, they said, uh, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to, to speak with great boldness and stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting were shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. What I want us to see from that is think about the encouragement God has for us. He's the great encourager. He gives us the ability to speak boldly in His name. He gives us protection from the threats of the world today and and he's there and he's he's on our side and today when we think about those times that we're discouraged when we think about the 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 bondage that we fall and find ourselves under sometimes remember god is our great encourager he the 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 providence of god and and to realize that god has put into into practice and put into play things long before this hour that prepares us for what's taking place. Here's the second thing that should encourage, encourage us, and that's the promise of the gospel. Again, in Philippians chapter 1, in verse 15, 
Some indeed preach, this is Paul talking, you, you put all this together, I, I've kind of broke these scriptures up, but Paul continues from our first passage of scripture uh, down to verse 15. Some indeed have even preached the gospel out of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Those indeed preach, preach Christ out of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But these others, they preach in love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Nevertheless, in every way, listen to what he says. Whether preached in pretense or preached in truth, Christ is still preached, and yet I rejoice in this, and yet I also will continue to rejoice. Paul was encouraged because of the promise of the gospel Preaching the gospel, that's the chosen method for, for God reaching the world through preaching the gospel. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into the, all the world and proclaim the gospel to all the creation. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25, For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those being lost. But to us being saved, it's the power of God. Did you hear that? For the preaching of the, of the cross, it's foolishness. To those who are being lost. How many times have you looked on the news and, and especially in the last few years and, and heard how foolish we were? How foolish are Christians? How, how foolish is it to think there's only one way to heaven? How, how foolish is that? You know, that's not new. That didn't start a, a few years ago. That's way back when Paul was preaching. He said the, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the gospel, it's foolishness to those who are being lost. But to those who are being saved, it's literally the power of God. For encouragement, we have the power of God. We have the promise of God. For it is written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I'll set aside the understanding of the perceiving ones. Where is the wise, and where is the scribe, and where is the lawyers of this world? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom did not know God, and it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. For the Jews ask for a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, and it's a stumbling block, and to the Greeks it's foolishness, but to them, the called one, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolish things of God is wiser than men, and the weak things of God is stronger than men." You know, we should be encouraged because we have the gospel. What is the gospel? It's good news. Isn't it great to hear good news every now and then? I was in South Texas. I was way out, uh, out towards Midland last week, and, and I called, and they said, it's raining. I said, that's good news. <laughs> We're getting some rain. Isn't it great to hear good news? Isn't that encouraging when you call and you get a phone call and, and you, you think the worst and you get on and it's good news? Oh, I have great news to tell you. We get good news. We want to share it with everybody. Oh, let me tell you what happened. I have some good news. And, and for us, the gospel is good news. It's encouraging news. It's, it's life. 
It's eternal life, and we have that. The gospel preaching and, and people getting saved, that's to be an encouragement to God's people. And, and when Paul looked, he said, you know, there's some people that, that preach just to try to make my bonds worse. They, they, they talk about Christ, but the whole time they're trying to stir the pot, and there's other people out of love they're preaching. But you know what? Still, I'll rejoice. I rejoice because the good news of Christ is being taught and being preachers being preached. You know, new believers, they, they, they get excited to tell others about Christ. And sometimes those that have been saved a while, that, that excitement may go away a little bit and, and it may wane away. But remember that if you've ever witnessed the saving power of the gospel, if you've ever experienced that, that saving power of Jesus Christ, we want to witness it again. We're going to have baptism here in just a few moments. And, and it's just a great reminder of the saving power of Jesus Christ. And that's good news. That's, that's something that we can, we can say, hey, this is great news and it's a great encouragement to us and a great encouragement to me. And here's the last thing as we think about the, the three things that Paul gives us that should be an encouragement and that's the provisions of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 1, 19 and 20. Paul says, because I know that means of your prayers... And the help which comes from the Spirit of Jesus Christ, I am set free. Where did I say he was? He's in prison. He's bound in change, but he says, But I know by the means of your prayer and by the help that comes from the Spirit of Jesus Christ, I am set free. And my deepest desire and my hope is that I'll never fail my duty. But at the end of all times, and especially right now while I'm in prison, I shall be full of courage so that with my whole being... I shall bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. See, Paul understood the provisions of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about Ruth on Wednesday night. We completed that a, a week or two ago. And, and we talked about Ruth and Naomi. And, and through that, we begin to see the provisions of God. Long before Ruth was ever born, God put into play in the law some provisions to take care of widows. And, and we see that through her life, you know, her husband died, her, her father-in-law died, and, and she ends up moving back to a foreign land with her mother-in-law. And, and because because of the providence of God, she ended up in a certain place. And then because of the provisions of God, she is able to go and, and glean in a field. And she's able to go gather up uh, food in a field. And, and we see all of those things coming together in the, in the life of Ruth, in the life of Naomi. And, and that's just an example about the, the providence and the provisions of God. And Paul experienced those things and realizing that, that God had made provisions even while he was in prison, he had made provisions. So here's an encouraging word for us. We're not alone. God is with us. Wherever we're at, God is with us. Look at John 16, 7 through 11. He says, but I'm telling you the truth. It's far better for you to go away because if I do not go away, it's far better that I go away. This is Christ talking. Because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll prove to the people of the world that they are wrong about sin and what is right about God's judgment. They are wrong about sin because they don't believe in me. And they are wrong about judgment. Uh, let me start over right there. But if I do go away, Christ says, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll prove to the people of the world that they're wrong about sin 
and about what is right about God's judgment. They are wrong about sin because they do not believe in me, and they're wrong about what is right because I am going to the Father and you'll not see me anymore, and they're wrong about judgment because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Now, what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, if I stay, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. So it's far better that I leave, that I might send a helper back, that I might send a comforter back, who is the Holy Spirit of God, who will live in us when we're born again. And as far as judgment goes, he says the ruler of this world has been judged. Who's the ruler of this world? Satan is. So he says, people's got it mixed up right now, and and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit of God back. And the Holy Spirit of God, He's going to be with you, and He's going to be the one that convicts people, that, that teaches people, that helps their mind understand. Now here's what I said at the very beginning. The power of the Holy Spirit is activated through prayer. You see it, Paul says in verse 19, through your prayers, through your prayers, The power of the Holy Spirit is set free. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit, it's here. It's available for us today. I I read this story about a seminary mission uh, class. uh, uh, This guy, his name was Herbert Jackson. And he told about he was a new missionary. He was assigned a car that would not start without pushing it. It's the only way to get it started. You ever had a car like that? You know, it had to be pushed. So he pondered this problem. He devised a plan. He went to a school nearby his home. He got permission to take some children out of the class. He pushed his car. They got it started. He made his rounds. And, and from that day on, he would either park on a hill or he'd leave the engine running when he, uh, when he had to go make visits or do different things. So he, he always planned ahead. And he used this, this ingenious uh, procedure for two years he did this. He finally, he got bad health, and it, it, it forced him to retire, so he had to leave that area. A new missionary came to take his place at his station, and, and Jackson kindly, proudly began to explain his arrangement. He says, uh, he says, here's how I get the car started. The car won't start. So I always have to park it uh, on a hill, or I leave it running if there's not a hill there close. So the, the new missionary, he opened the hood, and he looked, and He interrupted kind of the middle. He said, well, Mr. Jackson, here's the problem. The battery cable's loose. He put the battery cable on, tightened it up, gave it a twist. Car started right up. So for two years, this is true story. He said, for two years, I push started a car when the only problem was I just needed to tighten the cable up. All the power I needed was right there. I I just had to hook up to it. And folks, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, all the power of God is right here. And it's activated through prayer. And it's available. And all we have to do is is plug into that power source. And we plug into that power source through the prayers that we pray. That activates the Holy Spirit of God. That should be encouraging to us, knowing that, that the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God, is simply a prayer way. It's simply just a prayer of way. God wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to be empowered so that we can serve Him, that we can live up to our highest potential. We can be encouraged by the providence of God, knowing that He has put in play and put into practice plans long before we were born. The Bible says even the, even the hair on our head is numbered. 
We can be encouraged by the promise of the good news of the gospel and by the provision of the Holy Spirit. You know, I told you at the beginning about that lawyer that was in this deep depression. He, uh, he writes, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. Years later on this, this same lawyer, there was a newspaper article that praised him and said he was one of the greatest leaders ever. He clipped that article out. He carried it around in a coin purse, and he frequently took it out and read it that it might encourage him. That little dog-eared, worn-out newspaper clipping was one of the few things that were found on him when he was assassinated. It was Abraham Lincoln. And, and he still carried in his coin purse that, that word of encouragement, that, that word of, of that days when he was a depressed young man, that, that he needed a word that would encourage him, that would, that would help him press on, that would help him overcome. And, and folks, encouragement's a lot of times the difference between success and failure. So this morning, I want to ask you, would you be encouraged today? And if you'd say today, I, I, I am encouraged, and I've been encouraged by God's words, and, and I've been encouraged knowing that God's, God's provision and God's, uh, God's process, God's providence, and the gospel, that I've been encouraged. So if you'd say this morning, I've been encouraged, I want to ask you to go one more step. I want to ask you this, would you be an encourager? Because that encouragement, it's the difference between success and failure. It's so easy for us to, to focus on the bad things and the negative things. Would you this morning say, you know what? I want to be an encourager as the Holy Spirit of God encourages me. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that as we look into your word and as we see what Paul has to say to us, Father, we realize that, man, if we compare our lives to Paul, we, we're living on cloud nine. I mean, to realize all the things and all the struggles that Paul dealt with. But Father, through his life, he was encouraged knowing that, that you had made provision for him, for his life. That you'd give him good news and, and cause him to say, I reckon the sufferings that I have today will never compare to the riches that await me in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that we'd understand that Paul was encouraged by, by your provisions, just knowing that, that you had you'd made a way You've given him all he needs. And Father, today we have that same provisions. Father, I pray we'd know today we have the power of the Holy Spirit is just a prayer way. Lord, I pray that we'd be encouraged by your presence. And beyond that, I pray, Lord, that we would be encouragers. That we'd be shining your light, your hope, and your joy unto a world around us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.